This is Garrison Harney with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Thursday, January 25th, 2024. Our Fight Laugh Peaks magazine is a quarterly issue that packs a punch like a 21-year Belvini, no ice. We don't water down our scotch, why would we water down our theology? Order a yearly subscription for yourself and then send a couple yearly subscriptions to your friends who have been drinking lukewarm evangelical Kool-Aid. Every quarter we promise quality food for the soul, wine for the heart, and some Red Bull for turning over tables. Our magazine will include cultural commentary, a psalm of the quarter, recipes for feasting, laughter sprinkled throughout our glossy pages, and more. Sign up today. That's FightLaughFeast.com. FightLaughFeast.com. Well, we get to the news. Calls grow louder for Haley to drop out of the GOP primary. That's, of course, Nikki Haley. Demands grew louder for former Governor Nikki Haley to drop out of the GOP primary race on Tuesday after placing second in New Hampshire to President Donald Trump. Many Republicans believe Haley should leave the race so all available GOP resources can be allocated towards defeating President Joe Biden. Republicans spent over $167 million in losing efforts to defeat Trump in New Hampshire and Iowa with plans to release millions more in future primaries. Looking at the math and the path going forward, and I don't see it for Nikki Haley. I think she's run a great campaign, but I do think there is a message that's coming out from the voters, which is very clear. We need to unite around our eventual nominee, which is going to be Donald Trump, and we need to make sure we beat Joe Biden. It is 10 months away till the November election, and we can't wait any longer to put our foot on the gas to beat the worst president, to beat a president that's kept our borders open, allowed fentanyl to pour through, allowed inflation to to go rampant. He is hurting the American people, and we need to do everything we can to unite so that we can defeat him. After Governor Ron DeSantis exited the race Sunday, Haley's path to nomination did not appear to improve. In fact, Governor Ron DeSantis' endorsement of Trump further consolidated support behind the president, placing pressure on Haley to also end her fledgling campaign. In all states besides New Hampshire, Trump leads by no less than 30 points. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas said Trump is the de facto GOP nominee moving forward. Congratulations to President Trump on another decisive win in New Hampshire and becoming the presumptive nominee for our party, he said. Governor Christine Noem of South Dakota congratulated Trump on his big win Tuesday evening, saying, To no one's surprise, at real Donald Trump, this is on Twitter, won big tonight in New Hampshire. President Trump's message is resonating with voters, and it's only a matter of time until 45 becomes 47. CEO of the Federalist, Sean Davis, urged Haley to drop out, noting that if she did not, she would be fully owned by the left-wing Democrats. If Nikki Haley's primary goal is to defeat Joe Biden in November, she will drop out tonight and endorse Trump. If she continues to stay in a race she cannot win just to attack Trump, then we'll know she's fully owned by the left-wing Democrats who are funding her campaign, he said. Which, is she not already known that way? In any case, social media influencer Ryan Fournier demanded Haley just give up and drop out, saying, quote, Nikki Haley is refusing to drop out, claiming this race is far from over. It's been over from the start. You all betted on the worst happening to Trump to secure victory. It's time to give it up, he said. Nate Cohn, the New York Times chief political analyst, wrote on Monday, the polling undoubtedly shows Haley's inevitable resignation from the race, so Trump can turn his focus to defeating President Joe Biden. So without a monumental shift in the race, he will secure Secure the nomination in short order, he said. Too little, too late. Haley Backer and a former chairman of the New Hampshire Republican Party, Fergus Cullen, told the New York Times about Haley's prospects. He continued, 
She had to inspire and engage unaffiliated voters, and I just haven't seen her doing what she needs to do to reach that audience and turn them out in the numbers that she needs. Moving on, Biden administration demands Texas grant border access following Supreme Court decision. The Biden administration has demanded the state of Texas relinquish control of a two and a half mile strip of land on the border and grant federal agents access following a Supreme Court decision that gave Border Patrol agents to slash state installed razor wire. The Department of Homeland Security sent Attorney General Ken Paxton a letter Tuesday obtained first by the Washington Examiner in which General Counsel Jonathan Meyer called out the state for its inaction after the highest court rescinded an appeal court injunction and allowed federal police to cut down razor wire fencing in the Eagle Pass in order to secure and apprehend illegal immigrants as they cross the Rio Grande. Quote, the state has alleged that Shelby Park is open to the public, but we do not believe this statement is accurate, Meyer said. To our knowledge, Texas has only permitted access to Shelby Park by allowing public entry for a memorial, the media, and the use of the golf course adjacent to Shelby Park, all while continuing to restrict U.S. Border Patrol's access to the park. Meyer said the Supreme Court's decision allowed federal law enforcement not only to cut wire at the border, but to be present on the border, the latter of which has not been possible since the Texas National Guard commandeered a two and a half mile strip of city land and locked out all federal employees on January 10th. Quote, as you were aware yesterday, the Supreme Court vacated the injunction prohibiting the department from cutting or moving the concertina wire that Texas had placed along the border except in case of emergency and restored the department's right to cut and move the concertina wire placed by Texas in order to perform their statutory duties, Meyer wrote. The department must also have the ability to access the border in the Shelby Park area that is currently obstructed by Texas. But despite the court's decision, the Texas National Guard soldiers reaffirmed the state's position Tuesday. Soldiers in Eagle Pass installed more razor wire at the river and laid out more fencing and concertina wire despite the rain that swept through the region Tuesday, according to video. The DHS maintained in its letter that it had the upper ground in terms of legal ground that allowed its personnel to be on city land along the border. It cited the U.S. code in which the department acquired permanent real estate interests in and around Eagle Pass in 2008 to build border wall barriers in the vicinity. Quote, because the department owns property rights to the areas depicted on the attached map, we demand that you immediately remove any and all obstructions on it, Myers said. Border Patrol still has limited access to a boat ramp within Shelby Park, despite the state's initial concession earlier in the land seizure to let agents load and unload a boat into the river. Meyer called for full access to the boat ramp and river. The Biden administration had threatened Governor Greg Abbott with legal action on January 14th if tax Texas did not relinquish control of land, but has not followed up with a lawsuit. Quote, we demand that Texas cease and desist its efforts to block Border Patrol's access in and around the Shelby Park area and remove all barriers to access in the Shelby Park area. The showdown between state and federal leaders comes 12 days after three immigrants drowned attempting to wade across the river from Mexico on January 12th. Border Patrol officials in Eagle Pass were alerted to immigrants who had drowned and two others in distress and attempted to respond but were denied access at a gate into the state-seized land. The state has taken issue with Border Patrol cutting its wire on the basis that the wire would deter and prevent more illegal immigration. Federal law enforcement agents are required to arrest anyone who has illegally entered the country or is illegally present, including those who cross the river and are blocked from continuing up the riverbank by the razor wire. 
Moving on, almost 80 years after the Holocaust, 245,000 Jewish survivors still live. Almost 80 years after the Holocaust, about 245,000 Jewish survivors are still living across more than 90 countries. This according to a new report on Tuesday. Nearly half of them, or 49%, are living in Israel. 18% are in Western Europe, 16% in the United States, and 12% in countries of the former Soviet Union, according to a study by the New York-based Conference on Jewish Material Claims Against Germany, also referred to as the Claims Conference. Before the publication of the demographic report, there were only vague estimates about how many Holocaust survivors are still alive. Their numbers are quickly dwindling, as most are very old and often of frail health, with a median age of 86 20% of survivors are older than 90, and more women, 61%, than men, 39%, are still alive. The vast majority of 96% of survivors are child survivors who were born after 1928, says the report. Holocaust Survivors Worldwide, a demographic overview, which is based on figures that were collected up until August. The numbers in this report are interesting, but it is also important to look past the numbers to see the individuals they represent. That was Greg Schneider, the Claims Conference's executive vice president. These are Jews who were born into a world that wanted to see them murdered. They endured the atrocities of the Holocaust in their youth and were forced to rebuild an entire life out of the ashes of the camps and ghettos that ended their families and communities. End quote. Six million European Jews and people from other minorities were killed by the Nazis and their collaborators during the Holocaust. It is not clear exactly how many Jews survived the death camps, the ghettos, or somewhere in high across Nazi-occupied Europe, but their numbers were a far cry from the pre-war Jewish population in Europe. In Poland, of the 3.3 million Jews living there in 1939, only about 300,000 survived. Around 560,000 Jews lived in Germany in 1933, the year Adolf Hitler came to power. At the end of the World War II in 1945, their numbers had diminished to about 15,000 through immigration and extermination. Germany's Jewish community grew again after 1990 when more than 215,000 Jewish migrants and their families came from countries of the former Soviet Union, some of them also survivors. Nowadays, only 14,200 survivors still live in Germany, the demographic report concluded. For its new report, the claims conference said it defined Holocaust survivors based on agreements with the German government in assessing eligibility for compensation programs. For Germany, that definition includes all Jews who lived in the country from January 30, 1933, when Hitler came to power, to May 1945, when Germany surrendered unconditionally in World War II. The group handles claims on behalf of Jews who suffered under the Nazis and negotiates compensation with Germany's finance ministry every year. In June, the claims conference said that Germany has agreed to extend another $1.4 billion, or 1.29 billion euros, overall to Holocaust survivors around the globe for 2024. Since 1952, the German government has paid more than $90 billion to individuals for suffering and losses resulting from persecution by the Nazis. And now this. New York City Mayor Eric Adams announces $2 billion medical debt bailout for up to 500,000 residents. New York City Mayor Eric Adams announced on Monday a plan to buy up millions of dollars in medical debt owed by hundreds of thousands of New Yorkers. In what the mayor said would be a one-time deal, the city will spend $18 million in taxpayer funds over the next three years to pay off medical debt owed by up to 500,000 residents. Officials estimate that the program will will wipe out over $2 billion of medical debt owed in what they call the largest municipal initiative of its kind in the country. 
Quote, getting health care shouldn't be a burden that weighs on New Yorkers and their families, Adams said in a statement. Since day one, our administration has been driven by the clear mission of supporting working class New Yorkers. And today's investment that will provide $2 billion in medical debt relief is another major step in delivering on that vision. Up to half a million New Yorkers will see their medical debt wiped thanks to this life-changing program, the largest municipal initiative of its kind in the country. Medical debt is among the top causes of bankruptcy in the United States, especially for those who lack health insurance. Nearly 1 in 10 U.S. adults, 9%, or roughly 23 million people owe medical debt, according to Kaiser Family Foundation. The collective medical debt owed by Americans nationwide is estimated by the group to be as much as $195 billion. New York City will partner with RIP Medical Debt, RIP Medical Debt, a New York-based nonprofit to acquire debt portfolios and retiree debt from healthcare providers and hospitals and erase it, officials said. No one chooses to go into medical debt. If you're sick or injured, you need to seek care. But no New Yorker should have to choose between paying rent or for other essentials and paying off their medical debt, which is why we are proud to bring this relief to families across the five boroughs as we continue to fight on behalf of working-class New Yorkers, Adams said. Founded in 2014, RIP Medical Debt uses donations to buy debt from healthcare providers in bundles at a steep discount. The group uses data analytics to identify debtors who are most in need, households that earn less than four times the federal poverty level, or whose debts are 5% or more than annual income and buys their debt. Those who benefit from the organization's work receive letters in the mail announcing that their debt has been erased, tax, and penalty-free. The group has partnered with local governments before, including the Cook County in Illinois, to abolish more than $280 million in medical debt owed by residents, but never at the scale of its partnership with New York City. To supplement the city's spending on the program, RIP Medical Debt and the Mayor's Fund to advance New York City are soliciting private donations to raise additional funding over the next three years. And now this, to entertainment news. New Jurassic World movie in the works. 2025 release being eyed. A new Jurassic World movie is in the works. In fact, it's so deep in development that Universal is eyeing a 2025 release date for this one. If that's the case, then it wouldn't come as much of a surprise if it goes into production this year. The good news is that Jurassic Park screenwriter David Kep is back. His last script for the series was the 1997's Lost World. Kep is set to write the script to introduce a new Jurassic era, which likely means Chris Pratt won't be returning as the lead it's only been two years since the last one 2022's jurassic world dominion but universal's clearly looking to make more of these films no director is attached for now but the way things are speeding up one will surely be hired soon and that is your news for today this has been your cross politic daily news brief if you like the show go ahead and hit that share button for me down below you want to sign up for a pub membership, a magazine subscription, or tickets to the next conference? This one's going to be in Dallas-Fort Worth, October 31st through November 2nd. Head on over to FightLaughFeast.com to learn more. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you want to ask about our conference this year in Dallas-Fort Worth, or if you want to become a corporate partner of CrossPolitik, email me at Garrison at FightLaughFeast.com. For CrossPolitik News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great rest of your day, and Lord bless.